Our scripture reading for today is taken from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And St. Paul writes, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would strengthen our faith through them. Amen. I've been serving as a pastor or here as a campus pastor in town for 26 years now. I uh, came back and served my actual, my home church a number of years ago and then came here to be the campus pastor. And I've gotten into some interesting discussions and situations and incidents to talk about through the years. One that stands out to me when I read this text happened a number of years ago, a long time ago, with some students here on Bethany's campus. And they asked if they could come and talk to me about something that was happening in the residence halls, in their dorm. And apparently what happened, there were five students that came to talk to me. And apparently what had happened was one of the roommates of one of the students had started to steal from her, stolen a camera, later stolen a piece of clothing. And then someone else down the hall had something stolen from them as well. And later on, another in this group of friends had experienced some theft of money from this same individual. And so the students wanted it addressed. They wanted to figure out a way to, to confront this person. And now there were as many as five of them who were victims of this theft. Of the five students that came to talk to me, uh, four of them were Christians, and the fifth one that came along, um, by her own admission, was not. So, the five of them, and myself, we set up a meeting with this other student. And we sat down together to talk, and uh, I opened the meeting with a little prayer I talked about how this was going to be a delicate conversation. The one student, of course, wondered, why is everybody here wanting to talk to me? And the student started to confront her with her theft, started to talk to her about the things that, they had, that she had stolen from them, and they named off each individual item. And the thief, this young woman, began to break down, began to cry. She realized that she had heard all of them, and she realized what she had done was so wrong. And what was interesting, though, was the reaction in the five students that had confronted her. I was just sitting and observing and guiding the conversation. Four of them, the Christian students, immediately, as soon as they sensed penitence in her heart, immediately began to absolve her, to forgive her, not only of their own forgiveness, but of God's forgiveness, and to remind her of that, and to tell her about that. And they very tenderly talked to her about how they wanted to still be friends, and they just wanted to help her with this, and, and uh, help her to stop with this sin, and, and uh, the trouble she might get in from it and things too, but very much expressing love and concern and forgiveness toward her. But the one student in the group that was not a Christian refused to forgive her, and was very vocal about it. And she laid into her, and she said, this is terrible what you've done to me, and I 
do not forgive you for this, even though the poor young lady was, was crying at the time and everything. And it caused me to sit back and to, to kind of view the situation in a little bit different light. By the end of the meeting, and the one who stubbornly would not refuse, by the end of the meeting, the other four Christian students realized the bigger issue we need to deal with now is the lack of forgiveness in the heart of the one. That became a bigger issue than the theft. And I thought, why is it that these Christian students handled this in such a different way? Why is it that they dealt with it with such an immediate response of forgiveness and grace and mercy, and yet this other one would not? Now, there are times when non-Christians forgive people too, so. But there was something different in that group of four students. And here's the three reasons I came up with why. First of all, when you come to learn the gospel, when you really embrace what Christ has done for you to forgive all of your sins, and you understand deep down in your heart and in your life what that means for you, it gives you a deeper humility about yourself. It makes you more aware of your own weaknesses and your own sins. And it also magnifies and intensifies your sensitivity toward the weaknesses and sins of others. It makes you more sympathetic to others when they fall because you become very aware of how easily you can fall. I know how I do too. Think about the, think about the story of the woman who came when Jesus was eating dinner with the Pharisees and she began crying her tears at his feet and wiping his feet with her hair and so on. Uh, she was clearly sorry for her sin, that she had probably lived as a prostitute and things, and now was very sorry. I bet that woman was far more tender and forgiving to other people in her life than the Pharisees were. Jesus says about her that uh, those who have been forgiven much, they love much. Okay? They, they, when they realize that about themselves, they have a greater heart of forgiveness and compassion. I think the second thing that, that it does is this. The gospel causes us to realize that there's something far more important going on in life than whether someone stole my camera or my money. It, it, may, it gives you a bigger picture of life, a heavenly view of life, a view of life that includes judgment day in it, and trying to make sure a person is ready for that. And I think thirdly, inside of Christians, there's a desire in the heart of believers for others to know the same comforting grace of God that we have in Christ. With that story in your mind, I'm going to read the text again. Look at it. Okay, let's look at it. Paul is writing to Christians. He says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Now, when St. Paul calls upon Christians to live this way and to act this way toward each other, he begins, notice, by reminding you who you really are in Christ. Okay? He calls you elect, beloved, the holy ones of God. Now, if you're like me, I don't feel that way, knowing my sins and things. But from God's perspective, because of the faith he's put in your heart to trust in Christ, that's how he sees you. He sees you as elect, holy, and beloved, as someone belonging in heaven. 
So Paul doesn't try to badger you into acting a certain way. He does it by reminding you who you are as a Christian. When you were brought to the waters of holy baptism and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of heaven put his name on your heart and on your mind and conscience and claimed you as his child by giving you faith in Christ so you could come to heaven someday, when God did that, he made you one of his elect, one of his chosen. And he dressed you there with the holy, perfect life that you couldn't live and I couldn't live, that only his son could live. He has given you the robe of righteousness that belongs to Jesus Christ alone, but now shares it with you in the waters of baptism. St. Paul wrote to the Galatians, he says, those of you who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You've been clothed with Christ. You've been dressed with Christ. And this is the, the beautiful garment of faith that God gives you in that Savior. People who work in the realm of theater, just ask them, People who work in the realm of theater will tell you that sometimes the best way for an actor to get into his, his uh, or her position that they're going to do, the character, is to go and put on a costume. That costume, when you're wearing it, reminds you of who you're supposed to be. It reminds you of, of maybe your accent you're supposed to have and things. And oftentimes, uh, actors will do this early on in the process of taking on a part so that they can feel the role. And they'll begin dressing that way. In a much, much grander way, your Heavenly Father has dressed you as a believer in Christ in the robe of his perfect righteousness. And he would have you now live your life and treat people and act toward people in a way that reflects and shows that this is the robe you are wearing according to the eyes of your loving God who is up in heaven. One of my favorite passages is from the book of John, where he says, uh, one of John's first letter, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are, he says. I love that, that we, of all people, knowing how bad we are, but we should be called children of God. You were not the perfect child and obedient child to your parents. Jesus was for you. You have not been the perfect friend to friends. Jesus was for you. You have not always protected the property or the reputation of other people. Jesus has done that for you. You have not always lived a pure life in regard to your sexuality. Jesus has done that for you. And so your gracious Heavenly Father who claimed you in the waters of baptism calls you now holy, holy and beloved. And there is no clothing in the world that is more, more of a beautiful thing to see than the spiritual garment of Christ's righteousness worn by those who hold on to his grace for their hope of heaven. Amen.